This is Eric Dorsett from Sleepless and Dead Conspiracy, and you're witnessing Poppet's Corner. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Poppet's Corner. Thoroughly excited, as always, to be doing these. And it's been a minute since we have got uh, heard from the great Mike Abominator here. By the way, I really loved you on Mystery Science Theater 3000. I didn't know you were on there, man. Mike Nelson. So it's fucking weird. Been enjoying your show, man. But how you been, dude? Fucking cocksucker, you. I've never heard that one before. Actually, uh, the one of my teachers in high school dropped that Sea Hunt stuff on me. You know, the one of the characters on Sea Hunt. Was Mike Nelson's? I was just like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" I didn't. I had no idea because he's older, so I had to go look that up. Then it's actually a pretty cool show. And then, uh, yeah, the Mystery Science Theater, uh, you know, three thousand stuff is get that a lot. But uh, yeah, what a, thanks. <laughs> what a way to start off the show, huh? Just making a joke. Anyway, what's been going on in your world, man? With the whole, <laughs> with the whole. Uh, you know, ruin camp, and what do you what do you have coming up currently, and what have you been working on right out of the gate before you even get started with this thing? Yeah, I guess uh, off the top of my head, we've got that show coming up in Long Beach, uh, Grave Infestation. Grave Infestation is uh, coming down from Canada on a on a U.S. tour, so uh, we're doing the show with them in Long Beach at the supply and demand on April fools. So um, trying to get everybody together schedule wise to jam is uh, always a chore, but we're, we're getting the arrangements ready and we're going to start tightening the screws on that. Um, We got mortal wound and Sivirus also playing the show. So it's kind of like three of the elite, LA death metal bands going right now are going to be making sure grave infestation uh, has a good show when they get here, you know, put, uh, put them up good and uh, give them some good support. So they got a good tour. So it should be a good turnout. That'll be good. It's on a Saturday. So long beach is always good. Um, Other than that, we're currently working on a, uh, Impaled Nazarene cover uh, for a kind of like a Finland 1989 through 1993 compilation that Noxious Ruin is doing. It's a uh, it's a label out of Michigan that we worked with, and uh, we're actually doing a, our own EP with them as well. So we we started the recording on that. About a month and a half, two months ago. Um, and then uh, we, because of scheduling or whatever, we uh, had to pick and choose when we were doing tracking or whatever. So we just started up the, the tracking again this last uh, Sunday, a couple days ago, and uh, working on the EP. But at the same time, we're going into Trench Studios this Saturday, and we're going to do the Impaled Nazarene cover for Noxious Ruin, the same label. So, um. Yeah, it'll be cool. We wanted to pick and pill Nazarene because uh, everybody was picking the typical, uh, you know, Finnish death metal bands that are 
you know, known throughout the world, which is fine. You know, I mean, they're, they're awesome. They're heavy. They're fucking brutal. But, uh, we wanted to pick impaled Nazarene because that, uh, that demo and that first album just blew our minds, especially my mind and David's mind and everybody else in the band's mind. And, you know, back when it came out and whatever. So it was just kind of like, just as heavy and brutal and fast as any of the death metal stuff. So even though it's considered more black metal, obviously, but I think impaled Nazarene was kind of more like black grindcore back then, you know, it was, wasn't even a genre. So they were kind of creating their own thing. They're always back then they were always more of a grindcore band, you know, for me, but uh, so yeah, we just been doing those two things, working on that. You know, we had to learn the song and then of course we down tune like, 50 steps lower than impaled Nazarene did back then. So we had to figure out, okay, what are the chords and all that kind of stuff? So we said, ah, fuck it. We're just going to make it sound like impaled Nazarene down tuned uh, death metal version. And that's basically what it sounds like. So, so it's cool. And uh, you know, we're at, we'll add our own little sample and atmosphere uh, to the track as well. And uh, the idea doing, um for noxious ruin as well uh will be six new songs and uh probably be somewhere around 25 minutes and uh it'll come in a really cool cool collectible package kind of like this last release we did with frozen screams i don't know if you saw that online it was like a special uh cassette package that came with the they made a fanzine out of the layout and whatnot with the lyrics and the band photo and everything because uh John from Frozen Screams, uh, you know, Frozen Screams has actually started as a fanzine. He Now he has a label as well. Uh, same with Noxious Ruin, same thing. They started doing the fanzine, then it branched out to a, to a label. And they both kind of specialize in tapes. So, um, yeah, so the, the Noxious Ruin EP, um, we should have that done probably by the end of the month. And uh, that'll be out the... Uh, the finish compilation should be out in a couple months. Thankfully, tape production is pretty quick. The turnarounds are a lot quicker than vinyl. So that'll come out pretty quickly. And then obviously, like I said, in the meantime, we were uh, going to start getting ready for that show on April 1st. And uh, we did like, it also, like I mentioned, we had that uh, Where Death is Spread Out Across the Sky release, the EP on Frozen Screams that came out. The pre-order was actually on Halloween, but, uh, you know, we're still at that point, we were still at the tail end of the pandemic. And I know production was kind of still backed up at the end of uh, 2022. So I don't think the tape came out until mid-January, February or something like that. So it took a while, but they're finally all out there. We're finally getting our box of tapes. So if uh, people didn't get copies from Frozen Screams, John and them, um, We'll have them for we'll have them up on our band cap in a bit. And then once we get uh, all that out of the way and the shows uh, wrapped up, um, we got a couple of out of town shows that we've been chatting about. Um, they haven't been solidified yet, so we won't mention it. Out of state shows, I should say, out of state. Um, so we're kind of working on that. It's always like, you know, a lot of these people in other states want us to come play, but it's like, well, you got to cover the flights. And they're just kind of like, oh, well, you know, <laughs> so it's understandable. Money's tight right now, you know, whatever. But uh, just so 
anybody knows if you're out of state, you want ruin to come, then you're going to have to pay. So we're not just flying out there for the hell of it just to go hang out for the weekend. Um, and then other than that, once that's all said and done, uh, we'll start uh, hammering out album number four. And uh, we have the, I have the material written. I just got to show it to David and, and the rest of the crew and uh, get it going, you know, get start, start hammering it out. We like to practice, practice, practice the shit out of it. So we get it really tight. And uh, then we can go into the studio at that point and start recording it. And uh, yeah, that'll be entitled psychopaths. And uh, it's going to be out on uh, nameless graves records who uh, Brandon and Andrew run that label. And uh, they did the vinyl for the last album spread plague death. So they're going to handle the CD and the LP and the digital. And then uh, our good friend up in Portland, Dylan, that does head split records, he's going to do the tapes. And uh, so between those two labels, they'll, they'll be handling the release. So that'll be probably out in October, thinking. So, yeah, we work pretty quick usually, but I know with vinyl, vinyl productions, uh, the turnarounds are back to pre-pandemic times, thankfully. I think things are getting caught up. So. We should uh, should be pretty quick with that. Now, that is a lot of a uh, lot of stuff you're working on. You know, we got busy, um, man. Like I told, said <laughs> offline prior to starting our chat online. Uh, yeah, things been crazy in our camp. Now, let me let me ask you this real quick. You know, with being a uh, a musician who's been around a heck of a long time, and especially in extreme metal, extreme music primarily death metal, but just extreme music in general. I'm curious what you attribute, especially to what you're doing now with Ruin and, and the success of Ruin. Is it the constant releases that, that is making people just buy up everything that you guys are doing? Or is it just that your constant promotion or working with constant labels? I'm just generally curious, just as a, a musician myself, it, you know, with being in a band is it what do you what do you attribute to your specific success for a, a, an extreme metal band in today's day and age because it seems like a lot of people are buying your stuff yeah yeah i mean you know the, there was a uh kind of like a brainstorm that i had in 2015 when i kind of resurrected this corpse so to speak and uh got it back going and active again. And the, the plan was really to put out as much shit as possible. Because at that time I had around 30 to 40 songs. So I figured, okay, we could spread this out. But then it just kept going and going and I kept having material and, and more material and stuff. So, I mean, literally, like, I'll just kind of rough ideas of songs. And I just kept getting more and more material. So it was almost like, well, might as well just keep arranging to put putting stuff out. And uh, after that, about 2016, I figured, you know what? The, the, the game plan is this. Yeah, just start working with as many people and doing as many releases as possible, whether that be splits, EPs, self-finance stuff. Uh, people come at me, come at me with ideas 
you know, oh, well, this sold out. What about this? Can I get a copy of this? Da, da, da. So I'll think of something like, you know what? If I'm going to make them a copy of something, I might as well throw another release that they don't have on the B side of that tape, make a new cover for it. So it's almost like an ex a, a brand new release, you know, and it's something that the fans really got into. That seems to be some of our best sellers are like the, the one-off collectible cassette releases that we do. And then even if we we do put those songs out again, we mix them up with other releases and make new covers for them and then just put that out there or whatever. So that's been very popular. People eat it up. And I have uh, we have a large number of the of our cult. I'll let you know they're they're part of the cult now, you know, the ruined death metal cult. So I have a large number of uh, hardcore cult members that have like one, two copies of each thing. So. They'll buy every format. They'll buy one of each release. You know, it's just nuts. They have one of every shirt. You know, it's just like they just eat it up. You know, and there's actually a good amount of those those people. So you know, we like to take care of them, too. And if they have suggestions like, hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Then that's what happens. And like it's I want to say like 60 percent of our releases and our merchandise a lot of times are uh, people hitting us up on uh, Instagram or through email about. Hey, why don't you, or Bandcamp, you know, a lot of Instagram and Bandcamp communication. Like, hey, why don't you do something like this or do something like that? So it's hard to keep up, you know. Some of these people are hardcore. They got some good ideas. But I mean, you know, the basic concept was kind of like spreading things out, branching out. The more labels we work with, and there was a formula behind it too. And I was really influenced by what RZA did with the Wu-Tang Clan. And his, his uh, he has a book that I read. And it's not necessarily an autobiography. It's just like the history of the Wu-Tang Clan. And it's actually their thought process and everything that goes into everything that they do. Whether that be the religious beliefs, their musical influences, the books that they read, the movies that they're into, all that kind of stuff. And then the concepts that he wanted to do for the group to spread them out to as many people as possible, including after the first album was out, letting them go work with all these other labels doing solo records. So that was kind of key for me. Like, well, the more labels we work with, the more different types of people we're going to connect with because labels, a lot of them have like, they have diehard supporters for their labels, whether it's like some of their, the label heads, friends or whoever, or just people that feel comfortable with that label. They follow the YouTube channel. They follow their social media. Um, you know, there's certain people that just shop specifically with that label as their favorite or whatever. So that worked in our favor, you know, and then doing splits with other bands, it exposes uh, us to their fans too. So that was, uh, especially working with different types of bands, not just straight death metal, which we've done death metal splits, but a few of the bands we did splits with, well, you know, it was branching out. They're a little bit different, whether it be punk thrash, you know, stuff like that. Grindcore. Um, we wanted to change it up a little bit, black metal, you know, so that's why we have fans in some of those other genres. If you've noticed, um, we're, you know, Ruin kind of has support across the board with a lot of different types of metal fans out there. And that was definitely part of the formula that I, I wanted to achieve, you know, and then doing all these different releases, it just garners attention, you know. Um, but it has given us a reputation and some people make fun of it. They think it's a little bit out of control or whatever. They compare us to some of these other bands like Nunslaughter or Gothicles or Sabat from Japan that just do a shit ton of releases, you know? Um, 
I mean, Coffins from Japan does that too. You know, they're one of the heaviest death metal bands ever and they do a lot of splits, you know? So I don't, people have criticized them a little bit, but I don't know. I, I, I don't know why we might catch a little bit more flack than some other people or whatever, but we really, you know, at the end of the day, we don't give a fuck, you know, we're doing our thing and that's all that matters. The, the other thing too, is that for whatever reason, we don't have the, uh, we haven't garnered the attention of some of the bigger labels out there, even the mid majors to the major labels. So if we have a label that wants to work with us and they contact us and they're honest and they have conviction and they do do things the right way, then Yeah. We're going to work with them, you know, and that's what's happened. And I'm not really totally keen with working with every single label that we've ever worked with in the past. You know, some of them is not necessarily I've had falling outs with or anything, but we just disagree and we stopped working together. Some of them, I think they wanted to keep us for themselves and they got irritated that we were doing so many other releases, especially if it was right before or after the time of like maybe they were doing the full length or whatever. Some of these other labels I just lost communication with just to, due to various reasons or whatever. Not a big deal, you know. So currently we have a pretty decent little stable of uh, labels, about five or six labels that we're sticking with right now. And we're going to pretty much stick with them with various stuff that's going on uh, now and in the future that's coming up. Um, so, I mean, really at the end of the day, it was just all about spreading the message of, you know, the our concepts and our, our influence and our music and the message, like I said, just to as many people as possible. I just thought that was the best way to do it is just kind of, uh, you know, spread the, spread the love around, so to speak, spread the wealth around, you know, to all these different labels. Um, I'm not really comfortable with signing a long-term deal with one set label or whatever. I think that would be kind of disappointing to me, you know, especially it's probably better. We don't sign with a major you know, just because of the politics and yeah, I've been around a long time and some of the other bands I was in in the past were involved in some of that crap. And it just doesn't appeal to me at this uh, point in my life. So why bother with it? You know, we're doing just fine with, with what we're doing. I mean, it would be nice to be able to play some of these major festivals. And I know a lot of that comes with the, the bigger label connections, obviously, you know, being able to get in some of the bigger magazines whatnot, that would be cool, but it's, you know, it's kind of a, it's unnecessary at the end of the day. It's kind of like, we don't give a fuck. You know, I think we're doing just fine. Um, we're, we're almost a DIY band, even though we do have a lot of support, you know, so kind of in the middle there of that, but we do a lot of things ourselves. You know, we fund a lot of this stuff and we do a lot of in-house. I mean, all the production stuff is in-house except for the mastering at the end. Um, we have, pressed our own tapes and CDs. We've just, the death metal cult just did the, our first vinyl release with the Vrenth depraver split, you know? So it's interesting, you know, never thought I would actually uh, be part of a vinyl release like that. So that was cool. And we'll probably have some ruined stuff in the future on vinyl as well. It's just very expensive to do it. So, but uh, yeah, man, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, you know, it was kind of like watching, studying what RZA did with Wu-Tang and uh, I used that for what I wanted to achieve with Ruin and it pretty much has worked out exactly how I've wanted. Now, going back into Ruin's career, I mean, you guys started in the early 90s, but you're not represented as a 90s band. I feel 
And again, I want you to either clarify this, disagree with me, agree, whatever the case may be, but because Ruin only had one or two demos back in the early 90s, and now that you have all these splits and EPs and now now records and whatnot, and from, you know, 2000, I would say 15 and on, I, I really feel that it's put you in a in a category of your own because you're not lumped in with an old band trying to resurge your guys' career. You, you, you're like, you, were, you did some stuff then, but now it's like this is when Ruin really began is like 2015, I would say. Yeah, yeah. No, you're not wrong at all. You know, I mean, basically, we started in 91 and due to our own self-destructive behavior, the, the band fell apart and then lives changed after that or whatever. And once we, we sort of got back on track, we went to other directions, you know, uh, back then, you know, in the 90s or whatever. So and then, you know, I obviously ended up, you know, jamming in other bands and doing stuff for a few years and then uh, more bands and more bands or whatever. And then, uh, you know, eventually once 2015 came around, you know, because basically the uh, the concept of uh, doing my own death metal band actually started around 2014. It was something that I wanted to do kind of on my own. And uh, I started grabbing people and talking to them or whatever. And then uh, once 2015 came along, that's when David and I really started hammering out the ruin uh, stuff from the spread plague hell demo. And, uh, but yeah, you know, we are, and I think that's another issue too, because we're not part of the super old school, from the early nineties yet we're not part of the new school either. So we're somewhere in the middle, I guess, you know, but we all are kind of, we are kind of on our own Island you know, in a weird way. And that's fine too. You know, like I said, we prefer doing our own thing anyways. I don't want to be lumped in with any of that other stuff. I mean, who cares, man, you know, as long as the, the music's good and people are liking it, you know, who really gives a shit? I mean, if people want to talk about the backstory or whatever, that's fine. You know, it's funny. A lot of people thought the backstory was fake and whatnot, you know, and it's kind of like, all right, whatever. You know, they thought we just kind of made it up for PR purposes or whatever, but uh, it's literally real. You know, it's everything that you heard is very true. So it uh, it is what it is, you know, um, whatever. I mean, we get put into all kinds of different categories sometimes, you know, new old school death metal, caveman death metal, this, that, you know, and it's kind of like. You know, who cares? Again, it's you call us what you want to call us. Just listen to us and support us. And uh, you're part of the cult, so to speak. So that's fine. You know, I mean, there was uh, there probably a small amount of bands that have the same history as us. I know that there's probably a couple. I can't think of them now off the top of my head, but I have thought about this and talked about it with a couple of buddies from back in the day before. There were a couple bands out there that had a similar track where they did a demo or two, disappeared for years and years and years and came back because they had the fire and they uh, they came back and they did some stuff, you know, so, but it is kind of rare, I guess. So, yeah, like I said, you can put us whatever you call us, whatever you want to call us, put us in whatever category you want to put us in. And we don't really give a shit, man. If you're if you're down with us, cool. If not, that's fine, too. You know? 
Well, I, I think because there's nothing really to compare you to back then. Like, yeah, you were around, you had one demo, so it's like you can't compare the band to the the first demo. I mean, it'd be really unfair at this point with the amount of releases you guys have, have done compared to that first demo. Um, I just I think that's probably what sets you apart because there's nothing to, to compare you guys to. Like, if you had an album or two back in the day, you know, then you'd be probably lumped into the old school, new school death metal camp. But I think your your own unique thing that I, I don't know how a PR or how you would label that in your PR. I think it's just you just label yourself as extreme metal f- for the most part. And if you're into the heavier side of extreme metal, then you'll be into into ruin and what you guys are are doing now. Um, now, sp- speaking of that, and, and you mentioned a couple shows. I'm generally curious for you, do you prefer playing live or sticking into the studio? And again, I know there's pros and cons to each of these, but just where you're at now, are you having more fun recording the splits and EPs, or are you having more fun just kind of jamming with the guys on stage and seeing the audience? What is your preferred method just at at the time that we're talking? Yeah, I, I, I'm more of a studio lover now at this point, just because I'm able to create and and bust that out now. Um, I don't hate playing live by any means. Uh, it's kind of a necessary evil, obviously. Um, but it's also kind of a chore trying to prepare for it and deal with it and all that kind of stuff. So... Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's fun being on stage with the guys and, you know, obviously people raging. It's a, it's a massive part of the heavy metal, especially, right. It's uh, you know, there's other genres of music that can get away with uh, either no live performances or subpar live performances, maybe because some of these other artists, whatever other music genres or whatever, maybe they're not so great live. You go to see them like, Ooh, what happened? You know, you can't do that in metal. If you're not the real deal live, I mean, same thing with rock and roll, the 70s or whatever, maybe even going to the 60s with the original stuff, 50s and 60s, you know. I mean, after Little Richard and Elvis and Jerry Lee Lewis and, you know, you better, you better, James Brown, right? You better bring your A game if you're trying to compete with those cats. So, and then then later you got Zeppelin and Sabbath and Skinner and ACDC and, you know, Thin Lizzy and all these amazing bands moving on to Priest and Maiden and, Venom and Motorhead and then Metallica Slayer later. And then you got the extreme stuff with the Napalm Deaths and Morbid Angels and Entombed and all that. So Autopsy, you know. So, yeah, you better. All those bands are just so powerful. You better be good live. So live's cool. Um, Like I said, I don't dislike it by any means, but uh, I'm definitely more of a studio fan these days just because I enjoy the process of it, and especially with the the soundscapes and the samples and creating the atmosphere, getting the different sounds, putting the recording together, working on the vocals. You know, it's a lot more meticulous. I think live is just pretty straightforward. You know, we're just banging it out, trying to pummel the audience to death. Um, I mean, we want to do that with the studio stuff too, but that takes time, you know. We're not really ready to do that until the end product. So the creative process is just a lot of fun. But, you know, both are great in that sense. You know, very lucky to be able to do both at this point 
you know, especially, you know, at the height of the pandemic in 2020, we're unable to do either in a sense, you know, and we were able to figure it out after the lockdown period. You know, we did the, the rent record and we did a, some ruin stuff and we're able to get that done in the midst of all that craziness, you know, um, no live shows obviously until we did the Adrian, uh, remembrance show, you know, and, uh, was that, uh, June of 2021. And that was great. And then I don't even think we played a show the rest of that year. And then we did some other stuff, you know, beginning of 2022, but yeah, shows have been few and far between, you know, I mean, we were pretty busy in 2018, 2019. Um, but you know, right now I think the labels are trying to get caught up from the the damage of the pandemic and you know they're doing 47 color vinyl variants on some of these stupid releases so they got to pay the the bills that they're racking up so they're sending all these bands on tours all these crazy tours now i noticed everybody's touring right now you know all these massive metal tours and big packages and you know it's no not even any hardly any room for locals it's just all these big bands touring together you know on these tour packages. It's, it's interesting. I know they're, they're hungry to get their, uh, their money's worth, I guess, or get trying to get their, some of their money back. I guess it makes sense business wise. Speaking of business wise, and you you're mentioning all these releases that ruin specifically does. And again, just being in a band myself, knowing the cost of getting album covers, getting production made, getting, you know, the cost of, printing it on CDs or vinyl and tape or whatever it is, how do you find not only the funds, but, you know, even just thinking of the concept for a fucking album cover, and you do so many of these things that it's just like, where do you even start? Do you just have a guy that just sits in his fucking, is he like Dilbert sitting in his fucking cubicle all day just pumping out album covers for ruin or what, what yeah, the fuck no, that's that's uh that's me on my day off i'm fucking dilbert <laughs> <laughs> you know no i mean you know i mean we have fifty thousand indonesian artists on instagram asking us hey you need our work you need our work so there's never a shortage of that but no all jokes aside i mean you know we've been around uh, even prior to ruin i've been around forever so i know a lot of artists we know a lot of artists out there right and I don't like using the same one for every album cover. Um, and we have used a handful of artists for different shirts and releases and stuff like that. The album covers are kind of specific and I like to change that up a little bit. You know, we used our friend Janine on the last one and she was an unknown artist at the time, but she's awesome. So I was like, you know what? Her, her, even her sketches that I saw like online on uh, Facebook, I was just kind of like, this is going to be uh perfect for what i want to do for this this uh certain cover idea that i had in mind and she just killed it you know and then see we had caleb dickinson do human annihilation and uh you know he's just sickening you know and then uh let's see we had uh, caesar valadaris do drown in blood and he's sickening as well so all three of them are just totally sickening and if you kind of notice like all three of them are basically uh a serial killer having an acid trip you know, serial killer dropping a lot of LSD and having nightmares. And that was basically the kind of the concept, the repulsive universe inside nightmares. That's what ruin stands for. So not a lot of people know that, but, uh, 
you know, we had to do the Slayer, man, because we love Slayer so much. Slayer laughs as you eternally rot, right? So we had to come up with some cool shit. But, uh, yeah, that's the basic of the concept that I gave him or whatever. But, yeah, man, I mean, you know, we know a lot of cats in the underground to, to work with. There's never a shortage of artists, like I said. And uh, as far as that goes, you know, I mean, we all work. So <laughs> you have to. If you're a musician, where else are you going to get your money? I mean, even the, the big wig touring musicians we know, you know, they're broke. They're coming home broke half the time. That's expensive to be out there, you know. Um, so we got our day jobs and night, some of us night jobs or whatever, and uh, we got to handle it, you know. And uh, I have to uh, budget. You know, we got a business plan within the band or whatever. The money made on stuff goes back in. So it, it works out well that way, you know. And we're doing well enough money-wise to where it goes back into the machine. I don't have to bug the guys. Hey, you want to chip in on this? You know, the old way, right? When you first start the band and you're in the garage or the the hourly studio, you know, you don't have the actual real fucking lockout yet. You know, you're you're sitting there jamming with your buddies and uh, you go after work to the to the hourly lockout or whatever or the garage and coming up with the plan hey man you got a hundred bucks on these shirts we got to make these shirts you know we got to get this recording man you got got 150 you know so yeah we don't have to do that anymore that's what's cool so i can just go into the bank hit up bruce at warlord and say hey we got some shirts coming we got got something for you got to make some shirts you know stuff like that so you know you're not going to be able to function without some sort of capital behind you you know so you know if you're a touring band or a label band that is functioning business-wise as a musician and you're making money off of it, that's cool. But even that, that's run basically the same way, like a business, you know, the money is basically being cycled back into the band, whether it's from the label or from you. Some of these people might, you know, spend some of the money on stupid shit that they make on the road or, you know, through their royalties or whatever, I guess. But, uh, yeah, the, the money made within, uh, the merchandise that we make or whatever goes straight back into more stuff. So that's why you see so much stuff coming out, you know? And, uh, you know, again, at the end of the day, sometimes being in a, a musician or being in a band is an abyss. It's a money abyss. It's a black hole. You know, you're sometimes you're just throwing this money in there. So yeah, as far as making a profit or anything, sometimes it's kind of like, yeah, as long as we break even, I think that's a success, you know? So, so what you're telling me is, is you're not closing your OnlyFans account right now. Is that what you're telling me? <laughs> that's always going to be open. That's the that's the go to right there. And I guess I guess I guess he's not closing his cameo account either. Yeah, there's um, a lot of people that want to see my my hairy butthole, unfortunately. So I got to show it to them. Tattooed with ruin on the fucking top of it. So yeah, right. I get you. That's right. <laughs> anyway, um, so let's. Let's venture into, I would like to talk about one specific artist. I haven't heard a heck of a lot of him uh, about this specific artist in a long time, actually, because he was kind of very prominent, I would say, in like the 2000s. And I'm, I don't know if you remember him or her, but the, the, the person's name was Ravenger. Do you remember Ravenger, the, the artist Ravenger? Ravenger so he, Romero? Joe Romero? 
I believe he was his drawings literally look like human annihilation. Like it literally looked like old school fucking. It, it was like an artist prevalent in like the '90s and I would say 2000s. The death metal artist. He did a lot of fucking t-shirts and covers and stuff for magazines, and I just haven't heard anything about him in a long time or or any kind of history about him. I just didn't know if you knew who I was talking about or not. Yeah, I think you're talking about Joe Romero, Joe Ravager Romero. Yeah, he was brutal, man. He was awesome. I really don't know. Uh, I mean, a lot of the artists like that, like Jeff Zornow and Matt Putrid Carr, you know, some of these like they've gone on to do comic books and stuff like that and magazines, horror magazines and, you know, stuff like that. So and they're like big time, you know, kind of like Mark Riddick, you know, where he's designing skate decks for Lady Gaga and shit like that, doing artwork for Madonna and you know, um, I know that, uh, you know, they're doing big time comics and magazines and uh, even movie stuff. And then even like huge, massive movie stuff too. some of them um, doing art for bigger bands, too. Um, so maybe Ravager did that. I, yeah, I'm not 100 percent sure. That'd be a good question. I have to look that up. He was awesome. I definitely uh, that'd be cool to work with him. I think his. Uh, his style definitely fits our concept for sure. Yeah, I just always got that. Uh, that I don't know. Every time I saw Human Annihilation, I was like, it looks like a Ravenger cover. But you know, I didn't know if if any, if anybody would get that reference or if I'm just like talking out of my ass. Or no, I I'm think that's still... what you're talking about. I'm pretty familiar with him. He was doing. He did a lot of stuff. I'd have to look him up on the Metal Archives site or whatever. <laughs> you know the. Um, I mean, you could type artists in there too, type his name in there or whatever, and then I'm sure he'll pop up and see what uh, releases that he's done. I mean, I was always a fan of his work for some reason. It was always like, it was like, it was like pre me discovering Mark Riddick. It was like, so. Yeah, like, and I think they yep. both came up around the same time, you know, because Mark, you know, he was, he was doing stuff in the early 90s. So I don't know if you've ever seen that book. I did the forward to his book. Cause we were pretty tight, uh, you know, in the Gravehill days, he did the rights of the pentagram stuff for us. And then he, later he did the, the, uh, the fourth album for those guys. And, uh, he, uh, that Mark's great. You know, Mark's totally great, but yeah, I yeah. think they came up together. Uh, interesting. Yeah. I, I will have to look into that, you know, maybe yeah. our next conversation, we could talk a little bit about, you know, what you remember about him and whatnot. So let's, yeah. let's venture into, into this territory because, you know, I always like talking with you about, um, you know, reminiscing about people who are no longer kind of with us. And we have lost a, um, a few friends along the way since our last conversation. And I just kind of want to bring up some, some people and see if you have any cool stories and just kind of help solidify and document their, their legacy and whatnot, because I think it's important. You know, um, so are you ready? Yeah. Okay. So obviously one that, that never really got mentioned and I'm kind of bummed that, that she never did get mentioned was our friend Des. <laughs> I mean, she was like one of the coolest, one of the coolest people ever that you would see at a show. You know, she was like this, like, you know, uh, she would always be at like airliner shows. That's where I would always see her. It's everywhere in LA. So, 
you know, what are your kind of recollections and favorite memories with, with Dez? Cause she was a huge supporter of me and you. Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. She was a sweetheart, man. Um, I, uh, wasn't super close with her, but just very, uh, acquainted with her just from the scene, obviously, and her being everywhere. And we all ran in the same circles and whatnot. And yeah, she was a sweetheart and, uh, you know, she's supported Grayville and Ruin. Um, and she loved Madras too. She was just a really cool down to earth gal. And, uh, it's kind of haunting now because uh, our mutual friend Angie, in it, who's no longer with us either, rest in peace, Angie, and we love you. Um, Angie's the one that introduced me to her, and it was, it, I want to say, it was an airliner show, and uh, it was one of the shows that Angie was doing, and it might have even been that that first time we played with you guys, that one that we headlined over there at the airliner, and they had the two stages going. And that was, uh, I mean, I had already known Angie, but that was the first show we ever did with her. I think it was the Metal Invictus Fest. It was one of the first ones or something. So Angie introduced me to her that night, and that was also the first night that I met Adrian, too. So it's kind of haunting. There's three right off the bat that are no longer with us. Rest in peace, Adrian. We love you, too. Um but yeah, along with those two, you know, Des was kind of, uh, you know, Des was kind of one of those people. She was a fixture in the scene, so to speak, where she knew everybody. She went to a lot of shows, was very supportive, very down to earth. Um, it's just tragic, man. You know, when when something like that happens, obviously cut down, you know, way too early. You know, she was literally still in the prime of that life. So I uh, appreciated her and her friendship and her support, you know. She was a she, uh, very, very solid, down-to-earth human being. She was definitely real. That's what I, that's what I remembered about her was uh, she was definitely, you know, when she, again, like, like Angie and, and Adrian, when, when, you know, when she said, you know, that, that she supported you, she meant it, you know. She really did dig the band or, or whatever band she was talking about. She really, I, that's what I remember her. She, she was very genuine and I just appreciate genuine people, I, I guess is my, what I'm trying to say here. And yeah, you know, yeah, and, you know yeah, no, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. There, you know, there, it's kind of like, there's a, uh, there's a reason why, why people like that are all hanging out together because they're good people. Right. So they, they were, smart and clever in that sense and just very salt of the earth in that sense where they're surrounding themselves with each other because it was a good unit, you know? And like you said, the airliner, I mean, that was, uh, I mean, you're always going to have idiots everywhere you go. It doesn't matter. I mean, even in our own family, we all have idiots, right? That we can't stand at Thanksgiving dinner. We want to shoot them in the fucking head. Right. But we don't because they're family and, you know, obviously we don't want to go to prison, <laughs> but you know, the airliner was a uh, was a magnet for a lot of these same people. A lot of Angie's inner circle and her crew that were really good people that were supportive. And Des was one of those. Um, so it was cool, you know, kind of me being an outsider, but they kind of just threw their arms around me and accepted me in as part of their crew in a sense, you know. 
because that's when Angie started taking me to the poor kids mansion and, you know, inviting her over, inviting me over to her house to hang out and stuff like that and have dinner with her family and stuff like that. It was just, uh, that's the type of person she was, you know, Des was very similar, you know, they all kind of ran together or whatever. And, uh, that was the type of crew that was kind of supporting, uh, metal Invictus and the Angie and Adrian and, you know, that, that whole crew and Caesar and everybody and Jimmy, you know, it was cool meeting all them and, and hanging out with them. And it was kind of like, a you know, Lincoln Heights family, you know, so to speak. Um, and, uh, it's always refreshing, you know, being an old crotchety bastard like myself that sometimes, you know, ah, I have enough friends, this and that, you know, I don't need to meet any more new friends and I don't need any more people in my circle or whatever. But then it's kind of like you meet people like that. And you're just kind of like, oh, all right, these people are fucking rad, man. You know, I'll, I'll make an exception here with these folks. Um, but yeah, you know, I throw Des in that same category as uh, Angie and Adrian, you know, very solid. Um, She's going to be missed, man. She, you know, she knew a lot of people. Um, she was a fixture here. So, you know, we'll, we'll definitely never forget her. Rest in peace, Des. Yeah. And it's, again, I heard no, no, like no tributes, nobody talking about her. So I just wanted to solidify it since I have my own fucking show. I'm just going to do it here. So that's what it's there for anyways. Um, um, now another one, uh, you know, from from that whole time period, she's still with us. But I I just have to say I sincerely appreciate everything she does for all of humanity. Just her being here still with us is is Leah Scott Price. She's one of the coolest people ever, too. You know, I'm sure oh, okay. you know. Leah, I'm sure you know Leah Scott Price. She's from, you know, that that whole era. Yeah, the the name definitely sounds familiar. Uh, I don't know if I'm necessarily acquainted with her. I don't know if gotcha. I've actually ever met her. I might have, you know. I'm, sometimes right. I'm bad with names, but yeah, that name sounds very familiar. She was married to Mike from um, Enthraller. She uh, red hair. She she was literally at a lot of the uh, airliner shows too. She was part oh, okay, of that. Yeah, part of that whole I've circle. So just probably seen her around. Big shout out to Leah Scott Price and all of what's up, Leah. Community. All the killer uh, comic books, you know, the the Vampire Guardian Angels where she would kill us musicians in them. I just thought that was fucking rad. Um, now, another one, I'm I'm not too familiar. You know, I've only got to meet him a couple times, and he was just one of the coolest guys, too, was, was uh, Mr. Johnny Cardenas of uh, Three Sixes. I don't know if, if you uh, remember him at all, but he was always one of the coolest people that I got to 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 hang out with and and the last time that I actually got to to see him was in two years ago this month I think yeah I think two years ago yeah this month um, and we were doing what's called the Hoods Got Talent with Diego of MX Machine he was putting this he's putting this kind of kind of series together where he had bands like in the uh, recording professionally and. I mean, the videos are out there on YouTube if anybody wants to go check out The Hood's Got Talent. Uh, but Johnny was there, just like randomly hanging out. And it was so good to see like people outside of, you know, because we were locked down for a, a good year before that. So it was just nice to see some familiar faces and then poof, he's gone. So, you know, just that's my little, my little tribute to him. He was always a, a cool guy always going to grill them all and hanging out and just shooting the shit about metal and just, he just seemed like a very genuine human being. So 
no, Again. Johnny, uh, he was my boy, man. Uh, I came up with him in the music scene. He was in Rise. So Rise was a death metal band from the early 90s here in L.A. Uh, Rob Alanis from Evil Dead and Winter Thrall and many other bands. Original Despise You drummer um, was the drummer of Rise. And uh, Johnny was the bass player. So that's when I first uh, became acquainted with them. And uh, those two were inseparable back in the early 90s. Johnny and 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 uh, Rob were just constantly hanging out. And we always used to say, hey, it's the Rise guys. So it was the Rise guys always hanging out. And so we'd, we'd hang out with them. And they were, uh, we all used to go to KXLU because our the goat was uh, Chris and Phil from Despise You. They had a radio show up there. And I think it was like Wednesday nights at midnight or whatever. So me and a bunch of my friends would drive up to KXLU and go hang out with them and they had uh i hate god on there stable shut you know um gas played there once um excruciating terror entity there was a bunch of local bands that played there i don't know if demolition played there or not they might have but uh so they had a bunch of live bands but then they'd play tons of music uh metal and punk and hardcore and grindcore and all kinds of cool shit some cholo oldies you know all kinds of good stuff so um and Johnny was just a constant fixture around. And, uh, you know, we became tight because Johnny's an awesome guy. And then I kind of lost track of him for years. And then uh, when Gravehill was jamming at Vernon Studios in, you know, Vernon, California, uh, Johnny popped in one time and wanted to say hi. And, you know, Rhett and I, obviously, we came up with Johnny. So like, ah, dude, what's up? So we caught up with them or whatever. And then and we were palling around again ever since, you know, from what? 2009 2010 moving forward um till unfortunately when he passed away rest in peace johnny um the other cool thing too is that uh johnny worked on my guitar that i currently use for gasp um i got some uh really so that guitar i ended up buying off of my cousin they bought it for their son her son so that's my nephew but then he wasn't playing anymore. So they wanted to get rid of a lot of the equipment or whatever. So I bought that guitar and I was like, yeah, I'll use it for gas because it's a, it's a hammer. It's a really nice guitar, but it needed new pickups. So Scott from gasp had some Les Paul pickups, you know, some real nice Gibsons. And it was a perfect fit for the, for the hammer guitar. So um, Johnny is a guitar doctor. He was a guitar doctor. So I contacted him and, you know, he lives over there in Alhambra. And, uh, you know, I hit him up and this was 2018, 2019, somewhere around there. So it was before the pandemic, obviously, and went over there, hung out with him for a while, dropped off the guitar. You know, he had it done for me in like a week or something like that. It was just record time, ready to go. Professional, sounds killer, fixed a bunch of other weird stuff. Like there was a little static on the volume knob or whatever. And uh, he took care of all that stuff. So, yeah, Johnny was a great guy. He was a really, really great guy. You know, uh, that was a definite loss, hardcore loss. You know, and that one hit me pretty hard, too. I mean, it just well, seemed like you... there was one after another, you know, that, uh, sure. that really hit. It was like Adrian and Angie and then Johnny and then my buddy Larry. And, you know, it was just and then my other buddy Nathan, you know, and these are all people involved in the music scene. Well, so I guess 
what I want to talk about specifically with with musicians especially because I never got to I don't believe I ever got to see Johnny play so I'm curious what kind of a what kind of a bass player he was what he brought to the bands that he was particularly in no he's a ripper man yeah he was a he was a killer bass player I mean Rhett and I even talked about jamming with them at one point you know maybe doing some venom stuff and i know Rhett got the venom cover band the sons of satan going and i don't you know he ended up using uh, menno and i mean you know menno's the best bass player in la so it's like that's a no-brainer plus he could he does the chrono stuff perfectly you know so but i know johnny was in a band called preacher they were on wild rags and they were like a venom style band so that's how we first knew about johnny johnny cardenas was like oh shit that's the bass player preacher that's in rise I forgot to mention that earlier, but so that was cool. We're all fans of that Preacher EP on Wild Rags that Richard C. put out. And uh, both Rhett and I had that and a bunch of our buddies. We all had it because it was just like Wild Rags is one of those labels, as we talked about in that that episode we did with Shannon. Um, Classic. It's like (laughs) Wild Rags, you know, a lot of those releases, you got to you got to have it just because it's Wild Rags records. You got to you got to you got to own it, you know, back then because Richard was putting on a lot of good shit. So. Preacher was one of the original releases that he did in the hardcore demo series. So yeah, Preacher was fucking killer. And then Rise was killer. But yeah, Johnny was a ripping bass player, man. He was good. Yeah, I mean, dude, that's a that's a classic episode that I think people should go check out if you haven't checked out that Wild Rags episode. So um but yeah, Mike, I want to thank you again for coming on and hanging with me. Uh hopefully we could do this again whenever you're you're available and uh just always Always There's appreciate always a lot of shit to chat about, and it's good to catch up with you. Absolutely, we haven't seen each other in quite a quite a long time. I, I must yeah, say. we're gonna have to make a trip to go see Angie. Yes, I we will. Haven't been to her site yet, so and me, then me either. Well, that'd be our excuse, you know. Let's yeah, go, yeah. Let's, no, let's seriously, let's Angie. do it because it's in the back of my head a lot, like to hit you up, you know. Because I mean, we text periodically. I hadn't heard from you for a while, but I figured you're busy. Obviously, you know, <laughs> behind the but, scenes. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, no, well, it's in the back of my head to uh, contact you about that. So yeah, let's do that. We'll keep in touch about that. I want to go say hi to Angie and leave some flowers. Maybe we can get a couple other friends to go meet us up there or something. Absolutely. That would be amazing. Yeah, we, well, yeah, it will be amazing when we get to do that. But, you know, any, any, any final kind of, kind of words, let's, let's give all the, um, you know, the links and, and just the, the releases you guys are, are working on right now where people can either pre-order them or, or get them if they're out now go ahead yeah just go on to Bandcamp and you know put in the ruined death metal cult you'll find our site um and that's pretty straightforward um i could get the exact see if i can get the exact <laughs> band because i know that uh robert has a uh some of the ruined stuff on his I don't want to get people confused, well, which is fine. You know, he has some stuff that he sells with the albums because he he puts out a couple of the tapes or whatever. Well, who's Robert? Robert uh, Nero One Records. Sorry, yeah. So he puts out some of the stuff. So it's the Death Metal Cult. That's our Bandcamp. So you can go there. We always have tons of shit. A lot of it sells out really quickly. So if you see sold out, that means it's it's already uh, it's already gone. But you could request if we get enough requests on stuff, we'll do some reprints of shirts, tapes, yada yada. So, yeah, it's not out of the question. Um, the Death Metal Cold has a Facebook, you know, that that's more of a, a label page. 
because uh, it's the Death Metal Cult records. And then uh, both the Death Metal Cult and Ruin have the combined uh, Instagram page. You can find out. We always have fun shit we post on there, videos and all kinds of random stuff because we have some random stuff out there, you know, stuff on YouTube, some videos, and then we have some other videos we posted, you know, basically like horror and shitty situation themed videos that fits our uh, motif perfectly, you know, repugnant, disgusting shit. So all within the realms of uh, our new era of cancel culture uh, type stuff. You know, obviously we have to keep it a little, not a hundred percent to our liking because if we went all the way, we'd probably get banned and all this kind of stuff as far as, you know, the violence and <laughs> whatever. Cause you know, we have the serial killer stuff and whatever. And uh, some, you're not allowed to show too much violence on uh, online anymore. So we got to tone it down a little bit, but you get the idea. It's interesting that in metal, you have to tone it down. I thought metal was always like a rebellion thing. You would you think know. so, man, you know, but yeah, you know, if you want your videos on YouTube and, and Instagram and Facebook or whatever, you got to fucking be a little careful about that stuff. So we've go already been banned several times. <laughs> Just go to so, Rumble, man. You'll be fine. Yeah, That's the problem. You know, you get banned too many times and then it affects the bottom line and then uh, you can't function properly. So I'd rather get the music out there than have to worry about getting banned all the time or whatever. But uh, yeah, so we got, we got merchandise up and whatnot. We do show announcements on those uh, social media pages in the band camp or whatnot too. So you can get information about what's going on with us on there. <clears throat> and uh, I don't know. That's about it, man. Well, I appreciate you, Mike, for, uh, you know, always, always coming on wanting to you know always supporting always wanting to be involved in in the show and and uh just always appreciate a moment of your time and your talents man so it always means a lot but uh for another episode of Poppet's Corner guys we're out of here cheers <laughs>